You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Flipping Tables, episode 142. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards, and you sound like you're dying. I'm not. Well, okay, so I think anyone who chronicles this show would... <laughs> it would seem like I'm the most sickly podcast host ever, but this is, this is just a little bout of seasonal allergies. Also, it's like 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to rethink this, but... <laughs> We we this is what the fourth time now we've recorded it this time. Well, it was ever since I went to Eastern Time. It's like we either do it this early or it's midnight for me, and I'm trying to get out of the midnight life. And so it's like, uh, yeah, we you know what we need to do is just be really irresponsible employees at our respective jobs and just do it at like <laughs> noon, <laughs> just like well, have have a leisurely four hour lunch where we record a podcast. Is after I'm done working for the university, it's pretty much you that has to be an irresponsible employee. <laughs> I'll yeah. just get to make my own schedule. Uh, freelance life. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had a, a weird thing I wanted to follow up with. Um, uh, last episode, we talked about the John Oliver infrastructure video. I think you brought it up. We both agreed that it was some of his his best work, and we wanted to put it in the show notes. And as I reached out to Google and said, hey, give me this John Oliver video, it came up with like two identical thumbnails with two identical titles. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, well, it's probably the first one. Google's usually pretty good about that kind of thing. But somehow, at least as of you know two weeks ago when I had to look for this, this guy got a solid blurry screenshot of John <laughs> Oliver with sad piano music to be the top result for this video. And it it's it's not a prank. It's not a joke. There's no advertisement for a t-shirt company or something. It's just 3 minutes and 13 seconds of this one blurry picture with sad piano music over it. And at the time that I found it, there was one and only one comment on the video and it just says, "Really?" <laughs> Because someone was obviously looking for the actual video and just was like, "Come on, yep." And I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really, I don't have a discussion topic for this one or anything. I just <laughs> I thought it was really weird, and I wanted to share it with the world. So that's in our show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash one four two. Another piece of follow up is uh, we sort of never. I guess we talked about it in the Reddit communities, but there's. Uh, you know, storage syncing services, which we covered a couple episodes ago. Uh, a couple things here. First one is uh, Dropbox used to let you host files, basically like as a web server for files you would put in a public folder. And yeah, apparently, yeah, you could do HTML, CSS, JavaScript, a, a proper little website. And that's going away. And I'm really not surprised. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I... You know, once upon a time, we hosted this podcast feed that way. 
which was crazy town. It was just our, <laughs> our way of getting out of a uh, feed burner or was that part of our feed burner duct tape system? Uh, it was before feed burner, then part of feed burner, then after feed burner, <laughs> I think. So it, we relied uh, on Dropbox for a worryingly long time. There was a while I was actually manually editing the RSS <laughs> Yeah, code. every week XML was copy and pasted. It was a dark time. Pasting a new item and then <laughs> editing every single bit of metadata. Uh, human error prone. So, yeah, not surprised that's going away. It's also, uh, I mean, Google, does Google Drive even have that kind of feature anymore? They took it away for the exact same reason, which is spam websites galore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and even when we did that with our RS feed, we knew it was like, this is not the way you should do anything like this. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, at the time, though, I thought of it as like, oh, this is a temporary measure because we're like small time and because we need just a way to get this out there. What I didn't realize is if you have an army of robots and you have access to the Dropbox API, you can spin up a bunch of fake Dropbox accounts shove them all full of spammy websites and then deploy those public links across the internet. <laughs> and it's a pretty good shield between you and your nefarious deeds. So that's why Dropbox is putting the kibosh on this. It's the same reason Google drive put the kibosh on their offering. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just one of those like assholes ruin everything kind of moments. I mean, if they cared about the, they clearly they also just think the features really. Maybe they see that it's not being used, or it's just not that important to their their business. But I mean, if they really wanted to keep it, they could just say only paid users get this, and that would pretty much stop the the insanity. Ooh, yeah. That I don't know if it's worth the code it would take to differentiate between paid and free users to enable that functionality. But I, the business model would work. Whenever yeah. you put money as a barrier, that usually stops spammers from being like, eh, it's not that important to me. <laughs> um, the other bit of update is uh, since that discussion where I was sort of exploring non-Dropbox options, I've kind of just uh, given up for a while. <laughs> uh, I tried to sync <laughs> out and we did the whole referral exchange nonsense to try to get free gigs, but... Um, turns out I encountered some paper cuts really fast and that's, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I don't need all the bells and whistles that Dropbox offers. Like I don't use its photo feature. I don't, I don't even use the screenshot thing, which I know can be handy sometimes. Um, where anytime you take an OS screenshot, it just throws it in your Dropbox and pop pops a link into your clipboard. Um, if I was sharing screenshots to other people all the time, I would use that, but um, nonetheless, even though I don't use all their buttery, creamy, wonderful features, <laughs> I I immediately discovered that Sync, uh, the the one I was trying out, doesn't really have an updated app, and this immediately impacted me because I was sitting in bed doing some lazy work on a presentation I was going to do on a real computer later, <laughs> and I was just saving a ton of images uh, to royalty-free images. I, I mentioned this in a comment in our Reddit community, <laughs> and uh, it just sort of, like, it was immediately apparent, like, there's no share sheet support for Sync. Like, I, I can't save these images straight into Sync. And that's and been around for a while, hasn't it? iOS 8. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, two whole years ago. <laughs> so their their app just hasn't been updated. And that's just sort of a sign to me of like, I guess you guys aren't going to do this, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 
the mobile support, like when you first said like, oh yeah, their mobile app has some paper cuts. I thought like, what do I do with the Dropbox mobile app that I could possibly care about? And then you were like, yeah, you can't share stuff right to it. And I was like, oh, the one and only one feature <laughs> that I would notice if it was missing. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's a bit of a problem because then it, it reminds you how clunky file system access on iOS is. It's like, oh man, give me share sheet or give me death. Like that's it. You need to, that's how you move data around. Well, and I'm pretty sure Apple's added some like general abstraction API. So any sort of app that deals with files can say, you want to use a cloud service? We'll pop in this one little bit of template code and we we can support that. But now every text editor I've got is like iCloud, Drive, Dropbox. No, yeah. Sync's not in the list. <laughs> So well, it's a little funny to me that you've decided sync may not be right for you because uh, earlier this week, and I, I don't know if I didn't tell you this intentionally, like I was meaning to wait and tell you on the air or if I just forgot, but uh, earlier this week, the official sync.com uh, Twitter account started following me. <laughs> so I had one of those like, you know, oh, uh, like I talked about a thing in public and now like that business is like, oh, hey, a thinkfluencer. <laughs> I'm going to go thinkfluence all over their Twitter account. They haven't said anything to me. They haven't like offered, or, you know, anything or, or anything silly like that. But there's that part of me that was just like, oh, neat. Like I said something about a business and a business was like, oh, this guy. We should we should stay on top of him. And now we should link them to this part of the episode where you're like, eh. <laughs> Basically telling people not to use them. <laughs> well, uh, update your app and I'll come back. I'll give you another shot. Or, you know, have a whole year of updating your app and then I'll trust you. <laughs> well, I haven't. Uh, so I didn't bother to install a bunch of stuff on my Moto G. So I don't know if their Android app is okay. Um, I, I might take a look at it on the the Pixel, but... Maybe they've been paying attention to Android, not iOS. I don't know. That would be rare. That would be exceptionally rare. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, Moto G, what? <laughs> so I sold my iPhone SE. Um, I just want to be fair to Apple and their amazing resale value. That, I was going to say, how much do you get for it? Well, I, I got a fair price. Like I, I won't out you know, what I sold it for, but I, I got a, a fair price. I gave the guy that I sold it to because he was a friend, like a reasonable price. Like I could have gotten more, but I, I just wanted to be able to pay it off. And so like everything was fine. Everything was above board. Um, what I was a little impressed by was I said, hey, I'm thinking about going back to, to Android. I think I'm going to sell my iPhone. And like three different people that I know were like, iPhone? I'm interested in an iPhone. <laughs> just like it took virtually no effort on my part to move that product, <laughs> which was kind of nice because I really didn't want to do the Craigslist dance. Um, I pretty much refused to use eBay and I could have gotten more money. Like I probably could have gotten 25 to $50 more on <laughs> Craigslist or eBay than I got selling it to a friend. But I was like, you know what? Uh, this this guy he was on a 5s it it pained me to watch him like try and load an email sometimes <laughs> so i was like this you know you're getting a fair price i'm getting to pay off the phone you no longer are on a phone that's like 47 years old everybody wins but anyway uh, my pixel does not arrive to as of the time of this recording later today oh wow <laughs> i know it's been a painful weekend so i'm on my ancient 
original Moto G from 2013. <laughs> so it's October 24th right now. The that phone came out on like November 11th or something. So it is very nearly <laughs> three full years old, and it's uh, it, it I'm 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 impressed by the good things and the bad things. I am amazed at how slow it is. Like it is <laughs> it is remarkable how slow this phone is. Like I'll press something and then I have to remind myself like don't be mad. It's an old phone. Just wait <laughs> and let the screen draw itself. Um I think it's running 511. So well, I looked Lollipop. it up. Yeah, Lollipop's the last one it got. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, after which was using, one year after it came out, yeah, after after using it for the last like five days, it's I I honestly don't know if it would handle marshmallow, <laughs> like it, <laughs> and certainly not nougat, like it. But the the thing that I'm 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 like positively impressed by is for a long time, myself and most people in the Android community have said like, well. It doesn't really matter if you get the latest update because Google Play services are where all the <laughs> APIs are. No, there are differences. There are like legit differences. And it's it's little honestly paper cutty things <laughs> like there's certain changes that they made in the uh the quick settings menu later. There's certain changes they made in how the um their they don't call it the share sheet, what the share menu, like how that yeah. responds where you could like make some customizations in, I think starting in marshmallow that you can't do in lollipop <laughs> and back. So it, it's a completely serviceable phone. The fact that it functions at all. And it, it's like, this was originally Susan's phone. So it's a middle, it's a three year old low tier, lowest <laughs> yeah. storage model. It was, it was meant to be a budget phone when it came out. Yeah. And it, it's, I, I realized like it's I'm really thankful that I had a phone just like laying around that I could use as a temporary phone. Um and I, I think I, I'm gonna make it a point to do this. So when the Pixel two inevitably comes out and I totally collapse under the weight of wanting to upgrade, <laughs> I, I will take Susan's five X and make that my hangout in a drawer phone and then give her my Pixel and then I will upgrade to the Pixel two <laughs> because Every couple How needs to have. Of you. Yeah, th no, this is important. Every couple needs to have one partner who doesn't care as much about the product line, so that you can use them to keep your fake two-year upgrade cycle going. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not upgrading this year. They're upgrading, and then Sim switch. Yes, exactly. Um, well, I was reminded uh, when I left the Nexus Four to go back to a 5S, which was I don't know, 2013. It, yeah, think. yeah, because that was when I bought yours when I shattered my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was part of the timing of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, I went. I spent a week on a 3GS, and so it's kind of the same thing of Ooh, like, uh, yeah. this is a hard week, and then <laughs> ah, shiny new thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I think it's an interesting way to be reacclimated to Android that. I'm on this old, slow hardware <laughs> using an older version of Android, and then all of a sudden I'm going to go to the absolute top-of-the-line newest version of Android, flagshipiest of the flagship Android phones. Um, I will say just, and I'm really not trying to knock Apple, but just as a a a little bit of uh, evidence that I'm I'm heading in the right direction, booting up the Moto G and like installing apps and and like using a few different things, I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I'm back home. This is <laughs> everyone great. likes being home. 
it, it, it just it felt nice, even though it's slow, even though there's a bunch of apps I literally couldn't install because I ran out of storage <laughs> on this little device. I still am like, yes, Android is where I belong. Well, it's like you're using the old slower device. It's like you're holding your arm on the door frame and then you're going to let it loose and float up once you have the pixel. <laughs> that, was, that was a weirdly like elementary tweeny metaphor, but I like it. Uh, into the show. Uh, what's this random thing? Why, why are you going random on me? So Yeah, so I, I threw this in here just because I kind of wanted to ask you if it ever happened to you. So I was like, oh, I'll ask Mike on the air because why not? <laughs> um, so I've always wondered, because uh, people may have noticed I'm a little verbose, right? I like to talk. And whenever I'm on hold with customer support, particularly if I am very, very unhappy, uh, Comcast, I'm looking at you, um, it is not unusual for me to be sitting on hold, swearing loudly, usually to Susan, about the thing that I'm on hold over and how angry I am. And I've always wondered how many people sit on hold and and say, you know, they're on hold with, you know, let's just say Comcast. And they're like, you know, oh, well, I swear to God, I sent in that payment and you guys are a bunch of assholes and I'm pissed at you. And then they get put on hold while like a manager gets fetched or a supervisor and then they turn to their spouse and they're like, you know, I didn't send in that payment. I, I really didn't. But I figure if I'm a big enough asshole on the phone that they will let me go. And then supervisor comes back and supervisor is like, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Our, you know, they make up some cock and bull story about the payment system not working. And they forgive the person even though they have no evidence that the payment ever came in because no payment ever did come in. Right. This kind of thing. I suspect that that happens all the time. And I've always wondered do they listen in while you're on hold? One, can they? Two, do they actually have a system set up to fake you being on hold? And three, like, what would be the legal ramifications of such an activity? Because they tell you the call is going to be recorded. Does that count as part of the call? Well, I was on hold with a tech support line the other day, <laughs> and they said, your call will be recorded, including the hold. They specified. They actually specified. That might be. Maybe they're. That was in a state where they have to give you notice. For yeah, all it, the times they're recording something. Yeah, there could be some privacy thing. But what about the states where they're not required to be that specific? And I suppose they don't have to say anything. <laughs> exactly. And do you have an expectation of privacy when you call a company or answer a phone call from a company? I don't. I mean, I assume that while the line is open, that someone is listening so if they say my question is why you don't tap mute while you're on hold because i do um i have but i think it's just easier to not say things that i don't want the person on the other side of the line to hear like if i you know if i'm say for whatever reason i'm on hold with comcast and then susan was like hey what's your social security number like yeah i would probably tap mute but if we're just talking about what we're gonna have for dinner like i don't if the rep comes back and they hear me saying like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. You know, I'd, I'd love to go to that restaurant like that. I don't care if they overhear that or if they record that. Like, that's not that's not sensitive, even though it you may can't be let your secret restaurant anymore. preferences get out there. <laughs> but this, so, I mean, has this ever apparently you hit mute when you're on hold. So this has crossed your mind. Yeah, I'd just rather not be under any illusions about what is being transferred to them or not. Especially if I'm going to complain to Shelby, I'm going to mute and then <laughs> complain 
Because, you know, even if I didn't think they, I, I don't know if I've ever consciously thought they might be recording me on hold, but it's more like, what if they come back and I'm in the middle of yelling? Then... Well, that's how they know you're serious. It's like, whoa, even on hold, he was angry. <laughs> we got to get this guy a month's credit. This guy's a hold angry. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, this is, a, this is like my earlier follow-up. I don't, I don't really have a tremendous amount to contribute here other than I was just like, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh, i want i want to know about trump's twitter bot army all right so this was an article from the ringer which is uh bill simmons new uh he's like a famous in the sports world for being like some guy anyway um <laughs> he has a website called the ringer and there's like a whole army of very clever people that came from this old website called grantland and i've been reading it a lot but they had this interesting article called how who is neil gamed trump's twitter bots so uh this is uh about a weird phenomenon that sort of has cropped up in the past year or two especially during uh this US election and that's there's this weird account uh named Neil Turner it looks like some 20 something white kid with a obviously photoshopped trump hat and you know make america great again all that stuff and uh this account is always or almost always the first reply whenever Trump tweets or when Clinton tweets. Um, and the this this guy that's the subject of this article named Bernard just got fascinated by this. And so he started digging in and, and trying to research, you know, what is this account? Who is this person? And he sort of discovered that, you know, the, the person in the picture was actually a picture associated with a ton of different accounts. And so he's like, that's probably not Neil Turner. That's just <laughs> someone's picture they used and, you know, Photoshop the hat on. Uh, but then he, you know, he's a computer scientist, Bernard, and so he kind of started hacking away and created his own bot that would reply to Neil Turner and would just sort of call him out or be like, are you sure this is relevant or just kind of troll him a little bit. And this this whole situation kind of kept escalating until he was actually talking via direct messages to the person behind the Neil Turner account and sort of trying to dig deep and, you know, try to earn his trust and not be like, I'm not here to hate on you, like, hey, let's actually talk. And, you know, there was always some guards up and some, you know, he doesn't really know if he was hearing truthful things. Um, but then through this whole experience, Bernard created a, basically a startup called Impressive without a final E, which, you know, it's a startup. You, <laughs> you have to omit a vowel or else they come and kill you. Impressive. Um, <laughs> uh, which basically tries to monetize this business of being a first responder, not in the medical sense, but in the <laughs> influencer sense of some famous person tweets and your account is the first thing there on the reply. And um, he said he used this to promote his own podcast just to test out his tech and was able to drive a lot of traffic and it, it works. And so it's sort of like, as a flipping tables topic, it's like, okay, we've seen like sort of the baby version of these bot assisted influencers, um, mainly to just spread a bunch of crap. Uh, I mean, I, it, I associate this with porn. Like you tweet, like getting an iPhone seven next week. And then a porn account is like, you know, click here yeah. for nasty pics. And it's like, I don't, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I guess, you know, everything starts with porn. Every new, every media <laughs> format war is decided by porn. Um, and so 
as it comes out of the shadows of porn and into legitimacy, are we going to see this as a full-on business model? Or I guess it's already happening. The guy Bernard said he's he's earning a modest amount of income selling this tech to businesses that want to drive traffic. Uh, <laughs> so I I have very mixed feelings about this because on the one hand you know say you're you're opening like a physical store paying a bunch of people to like wait in line outside your store before you open and then to walk around your store on the first day so that it looks super busy and super trendy and everybody wants to be there like there's really nothing wrong with that <laughs> but it feels kind of slimy like cuz you're essentially you're 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 thinking like, well, the people who are fooled are fooled and that's what I want. And I want them to think I'm more popular than I am. But well, that's oh, like no, a no, FOMO it's, approach. It's, yeah. But no, it's fine. Cause everybody knows that this is just like, everybody knows that some of these people are like here as employees or whatever. So like you kind of lie to yourself and say like, everybody's in on the joke when you are hoping that they're not. And this feels kind of like the Twitter version of that is that someone will see this reply to like a celebrity's Twitter account and then click on whatever they're linking to and never bother to check like, oh, this is a bot. So, I mean, yeah, even, even if you wore on your sleeve, like in the, the profile of this bot account, like, hey, this is a bot for whatever business, which I'm sure they don't. Yeah. Well, and in the pre-show, I tried to, you know, I know it's always dangerous to make physical uh, analogies for something that's digital, but, you know, if you could program a, a drone to fly a sign next to Brad Pitt when he's walking outside everywhere he goes and just says, like, listen to flipping tables and just follows Brad Pitt everywhere. And you know, beyond him being incredibly annoyed by it, like, where does this, what's the limit on this kind of behavior before you're like all of human communication is saturated with this annoying virtual thing elbowing into every conversation be like hey buddy <laughs> there, there's just something about like being in on what's happening that when you cross that line that's when i start to feel skeevy because the drone that's branded for sunrise robot carrying a sign for flipping tables like it flying next to brad pitt like it's <laughs> it's fairly obvious that that's an external thing and not something he set up or at least it's weird enough that it would give you pause and be like, oh, hey, do you listen to Flipping Tables? And he would be like, yeah, of course. But this is actually their <laughs> their drone, not my drone. Um, but with like the, the Twitter reply thing or paying people to like wait in line for your your store to open, I don't really think everybody's in on the joke. Like A lot of people are going to think that those replies and those conversations and that participation is genuine. And that's what you're – I mean, it's spam, right? It's – it's if I shoot a hundred million people and I only get one percent of them to believe my lie. Oh, that's still a hundred thousand people. I'll take that. Yeah. Or a million people. I rounded wrong. It's early. <laughs> well, and I I don't know if there's a 1984 version of Godwin's Law, but like, could this not be used by state actors to basically spread all kinds of misinformation or propaganda in a more oppressive? type of country or i yeah i mean i don't see why it wouldn't 
my assumption yeah. is that any advertising technology can be leveraged for propaganda and probably is. Yeah. You know, anything they would collect about you to know what belt you just bought on Amazon, they would also collect about you to nefariously know which belt <laughs> you just bought on Amazon. Um, in response, like, let's say this, this kind of thing takes hold and becomes mainstream enough that regular people realize, oh, there's like bots everywhere. Will we have have new human rituals to like verify you're a real person? Like not just captchas to sign up for something online, but to even talk to someone, you're kind of like you need to go through some kind of elaborate captcha. <laughs> well, what happens when they build a robot that can do the secret handshake outside your clubhouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the picture of the sign you wrote with your Reddit AMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This is. Uh... I don't know. The the whole thing just feels kind of staged, right? Like he built this thing and then he put it on probably the most high profile Twitter account you could possibly hope to find ever. And then when people started inquiring about its weirdness, he was like, Oh yeah, it's just you know, it's just this thing I was trying out. <laughs> also my startup is like right over here. It's like uh, you're just waiting for someone to notice you. Now, this wasn't a medium post that was criticizing a competitor, and then he goes, by the way. <laughs> by the way. And that's why I started Impressive. It's not even .com. Why would you do the vowel drop if you weren't trying to capture the .com? <laughs> yeah, it's .io. Impressivio. <laughs> Impressivio. I don't know. I, I I foresee this having. I mean, this really already happened, like with the porn bots and the company bots and right. stuff. But those, like you knew, right? Everybody was in on the joke. You. But could this tell. is like a, a new level of. It's exactly. not just this giant like shrapnel blast of porn. It's more targeted, more strategic. Oh yeah, no. Th- this is the the logical evolution of advertising technology, <laughs> but it's uh, it's still skeevy. And I don't like it. I'm. Yeah, I I don't like it because I genuinely fear that people will not. They just they won't be in on the joke. They'll think everything's fine. They'll be like, "Oh, this is a real person who's really posting about such and such a company or such and such a political event that I should have feelings about." I do think, like, I mean, I'm supposedly impressivo is uh, <laughs> not in violation of any of Twitter's terms of service. Um, but you wonder, like, if you were going to try to regulate this, whether legally or just with, you know, your own service, setting your own rules, um, where would be the line on, like, tools that help you be more strategic in how you tweet and crossing over into that skeevy, this is gaming, whatever um, attention economy you want to describe. And, you know, how do you how do you navigate trying to control this while not destroying innovation but i mean this seems like a cultural issue like i can't imagine a way you could fairly regulate this other than to just ban bots but then is is buffer scheduling your tweets a bot like is that yes this is exactly what i mean is you would so rapidly backslide over things that are not a big deal and I'm sure there are some people who are like, no, Buffer, like, that counts. That's auto-tweeting. That counts. That's not <laughs> fair. That gives you an advantage over people who can't afford Buffer. But I, I don't... <laughs> but, Twi- like, hey... Twitter's not should, that kind of place. There's, there's a, it seems like there's got to be some space between, hey, posting around noon is a good idea versus 
every time Trump tweets, you will be first <laughs> replying. Right. But I think because of the nature of Twitter and because of the nature of the users, right? Like this is <clears throat> if this was a, a, a like political campaign, like if this was a super PAC running this bot, that would be skeevy because it's like, uh, I'm sure all of them were immediate <laughs> if they haven't heard of it already are like, hey, if we can't, if we don't have time to use this now. Next election, we are so doing this. Yes. And that will be skeevy. But a company or an individual who's like trying to, you know, promote something, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of robot spam, but I don't really see why you would regulate that. I don't. I don't see a way you would fairly regulate that that would stop the bad actors only, right? You would be creating barriers for things like Buffer and I have, like we have IFTTT posts new episodes for us when our RSS feed updates like that. I don't want to lose that yeah. automation, but I also don't want to drown <laughs> in robot ads. So, well, we will cuz it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it, to me the or, you know, a company that wants to find people that are complaining about something, maybe about something the company knows has a solution, and you would want a bot to say, hey, we've actually got a fix for issue X. Here's a guide. Yeah. That's great. And bots should be able to do that. And so that's, like, hard to define. I think that's what you're getting at is, like, how do we not kill that? But Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think because it's a because culture is culture and you just culture all over everything to solve problems that technology can't handle, uh, you would just hopefully start to see a lot of like banning and like, you know, block lists and stuff. And it's like, Oh, these, these Twitter handles are known to just at reply for like anything you might say and just harass the crap out of you about political issues. Like, that's not a great solution, so but you think least... there'd be like a, a uBlock origin for bots on Twitter that you would just set your account up to not let them reply to you? I mean, they already had to do this for uh, when Gamergate was happening. I mean, it may yeah. have been. I'm sure it was probably happening before that, but that like really brought to light. Like, here's a master list of horrible monster people. So if <laughs> if you are, you know, a non-straight, non-white, non, you know, all the things that Gamergate hates and you want to use Twitter and not be harassed nonstop, here is a constantly updated list of Twitter accounts that harass people. So I don't know hey why. Now. <laughs> Gamersgate was about ethics and journalism, man. It, um. it, it, I always forget that amid <laughs> all of the doxing and suicide that it was about ethics in journalism. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I don't see why that wouldn't, it, you know, when we had browsers and then we had pop-up ads and then we got pop-up blockers and now we have Twitter as a platform and we have robot advertisements and we will have some kind of robot advertisement blocker. Like it, it seems like the arms the, race marches on. The sad thing about these examples is it's going to get ugly and then the, the things to block it will come after that. But I, I think we're gonna have to deal with some of that noise first. Well, and I don't think either of us have done the research to talk about this with any kind of authority, but supposedly the reason several of the major companies who were going to bid on Twitter didn't bid on Twitter is because of the spam and harassment problem. <laughs> so oh, yeah, like, I saw the Disney was worried that it would reflect badly on their family image. Yeah, so Twitter fell all over themselves to be like this super open platform, and now everybody else is like, yeah, you maybe should have reined that in a little bit. It's not only that the the harassment, I think Twitter bit themselves in the ass by 
not clamping down on it partly because they wanted a large user count. And now it's like, you have a lot of shitty users. <laughs> Your service is not as valuable as the user count would make you think it is. And so... Yeah. Most of your users are harassing people or sending automatic advertisements whenever Trump tweets something. <laughs> Most of your users are. Yes, 51% or more. This um, is just a giant cesspool of bots <laughs> replying to each other. Is There's a very real concern that that's the direction social media will go. Just bots tweeting about ads all the way down. Um, but really, I think we've been dancing around what we actually came here to talk about, which is the Nintendo Switch. Oh, man. So how many pre-orders have you already made? <laughs> None, but I think it's safe to say, barring some very, very drastically awful bit of news about it, I will get one for sure. So, um, do, yeah, do you, as the resident Nintendo person, I think you're obligated to explain this to anybody who might have missed the first look yeah, trailer. Yeah, so previously codenamed Nintendo NX, this is Nintendo unveiling just a preview, a first look, as they called it, of their new console called Nintendo Switch. And the easiest way to explain it is it's a tablet that docks to be playable on your TV. Um, the sides of the tablet are these detachable controllers so imagine the Wii U tablet. Imagine you can slice the left controls and the right controls off of it. And imagine that the screen part has a little kickstand. So if you're not at your TV, you can stand it up. And there's more, some more clever stuff going on. Like all the detachable controller, um, the two pieces can actually be used as little tiny controllers <laughs> that almost surely would cramp my hands. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, pictures um, of people using those as like first player, second player controllers all look adorably ridiculous because <laughs> they're, they're these full grown adults, you know, men and women just like eagle clawing the controller like, yeah, I totally want to play Battletoads like this. So, yeah, yeah. So Nintendo released this first look video, which you were just hinting at some of the content of it. And it's full of they looked like 30 something, late 20 something millennials. <laughs> Um, all using, you know, sort of a day in the life across a whole bunch of different kinds of people. Um, guys playing Zelda, realizes he's got to walk his dog, picks up the tablet out of the dock, immediately is able to continue playing while his dog's, you know, taking a crap at the park. <laughs> and apparently he's not going to pay any attention to his animal. He's just going to keep playing games. He does and... kind of have a look on his face like, <laughs> like, oh, right, I have a life outside of... Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Maybe it's his girlfriend's dog and he's not that into the dog. So he's, he's doing her a solid, but he wants to keep playing Zelda. That'll be my optimistic take. Maybe he just um, broke into this person's house and he's playing their <laughs> Nintendo NX and he's like, oh, I should probably let this dog out. Um, so the video goes through a whole bunch of very, you know, rose-tinted, idealized, fun ways you could use this. You're on a plane, you know, in most plane seats, you, you don't have enough space to play a proper game console in any way. But since the controllers are detachable, you can have the screen visible in front of you, and then you can rest your arms close to your belly and continue <laughs> to play. I don't know. It still looked kind of uncomfortable, but... Well, I think anytime someone is doing an activity on a plane as a nine foot tall person, you must be thinking like, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, one of my favorite ones was uh, there's a girl playing Mario in her home, and through her window, she sees all her buddies having a rooftop party <laughs> nearby, and they kind of do the come on over arm. And she grabs the tablet out, and they start playing like multiplayer Mario. And I was just like, genuinely had a moment of jealousy for this fantasy that never happened, where I was like, I want to have a bunch of friends on a rooftop nearby that can motion to me to come over. It's an oddly specific fantasy of mine. Now. So I have this video playing in the background while you're talking, and I when I watched this the first time. I was so impressed by how smooth the docking and undocking appeared to be that that was all I could focus on was like, oh, my God, could it really work as well as they're making it look? But now I'm watching the context that all these things are happening in. And it's like, God, this is so ridiculous. (laughs) No one lives their life this way. This is as bad as any, you know, look how you can use your wearable to order sushi on your bike while your phone <laughs> talks to your smart home and opens your garage. Like, this is exactly like that. Yeah. Um, I think very, like, notably, the video does not feature smaller children at all. Nope. Um, that I saw. Nope. Strictly adults. Or, I mean, and you know, people old enough to have paid for this themselves, I should say. Like, to the point where it was a conscious decision not to show kids playing this, even though I'm sure kids will be one of the primary audiences for this console. Kids um, don't throw rooftop parties and play pickup basketball <laughs> games at midnight, Mike. That was one of the best ones is you get done playing basketball and then you sit down at a crappy picnic table and play <laughs> with three-inch controllers on a six-inch screen <laughs> with your buddies. Yeah, walking over to your friend to play Mario or Mario Kart or something seems a lot more believable than like, oh man, good game. Now let's go play more basketball, but on this tiny little screen in a park. One of the only like... Long shot, but actually interesting use cases in this video was the pro gamers that were like practicing a game like in the lobby on the floor. And then they like went into their, you know, what would be StarCraft or Counter-Strike. But apparently Nintendo has some ambition to invade the space. Yeah, and then I, they, I believe they go to play, uh, was it Squidbillies? Whatever you call a crazy ink game. Uh, what is it called? <laughs> God, I can't even remember. I, I never got that game, even though it, it looks really fun. It, it's not Squidbillies. That's a weird Adult Swim <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> it's Bayou Billy for the NES. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they're playing in the lobby or the waiting room or wherever they're sitting. Um, it looks like any you know Comic-Con type place you would ever be sitting with a bunch of other people that would have a console like this. But then they go into the arena and they drop into the dock there's not hacked at all nintendo switch (laughs) and then they do like a a, a serious competition and it's sort of like okay that doesn't exist and you know to compete against pro gamers in the pc space i don't know if nintendo will ever have the traction to do that but maybe they'll throw their own events we'll be like bring your switch and well they've already didn't they do that like weren't they one of the first to do a public pro gaming thing yeah, they do competitions, but this would be this is like explicitly showcasing it as something maybe they'll do for this console right. um, as a matter of course. Like, hey, you know, you live in a major metropolitan area, Nintendo Pro whatever tour is coming, bring your Switch and compete. That and could the, be cool. The Wii and the Wii U were notorious for not being for serious gamers. Like, oh, those are casual consoles. 
and it's a little on the nose, but what says legit gaming more than here is a professional gaming event <laughs> where profession people who are paid to play video games get together to play video games while other people watch them play video games? <laughs> like it's it's very on the nose, but it's also very like this is how we think of this console. It's yeah. that level of of legit. Um. I'll get a couple skeptical things out of the way, then I'll explain why I'm still excited about the Switch. <laughs> and then I will gush. And so, I mean, when you look at the Switch, like, if you're sort of a pundit about games, you're kind of like, will this reverse Nintendo's flaws with the Wii U, especially and the Wii? Um, the Wii came at the right time before smartphones that when Nintendo was like, hey, let's go casual, it totally worked. Because, you know, not everyone had an iPhone or an Android and a million free apps to play casual games. Um, the Wii U struck after the smartphone revolution. And so not only was it named so similarly that most people are like, I already have one of those. And only like we play bowling <laughs> and nothing else on it. Um, and so that hurt the Wii U. But also just the fact that casual gaming had moved on to smartphones and no one's going to buy another dedicated piece of hardware to play casual games. Um, but that's one problem. The other problem with Nintendo's woes is third-party support. And I'll say right off the bat, I don't think the Switch is going to have better third-party support. Maybe it'll be a smidge better. It'll be better than Can't what be Nintendo's worse. had, but it will not be what the PS4 and the Xbox have. It, will, it won't get anywhere near that. No, um, no way. But maybe that's okay. The, so the reason I'm excited about the Switch is... For the longest time, Nintendo's had consoles and portables. And their portables have pretty, other than Virtual Boy, has been pretty (laughs) much a unanimous success. Even the 3DS, which everyone, you know, had a rough start, actually ended up being wildly successful, even in the smartphone era. Um, On the console side, ever since the N64, Nintendo has not been the force they were in the Super NES era. Nope. Um, and it's been a downward trend. The only exception is the Wii, which sold a billion pieces of hardware, <laughs> but the software still sold like crap because people bought Mario and Zelda and bowling, which came with it, actually, and then nothing else. Yeah, so people bought Mario and Zelda. And so it didn't matter that the Wii hardware sold. Um, other than that, the trend for Nintendo hardware is like a depressing downward slide. And I think the the Wii U has sold like 13 million units, which Ooh. is just laughably low. Um, Yikes. So what gets me excited is their handhelds have always been successful, and Nintendo's always split their attention between these two platforms. Well, now this is the successor to both. It's a portable console, and all of Nintendo's first-party development will go to this machine and that's why I buy Nintendo machines, because I've long given up on third-party life. <laughs> I, I have a PS4. I will play all those games, too. Um, and so now I don't have to buy two pieces of hardware, and this will get all of their love and attention. And please make a new Metroid. Please, please make a new Metroid. <laughs> Brought to you by the Metroid Council. Um, I, so I think Nintendo is uniquely positioned to do this because... Microsoft has just decided, like, you know what? We can't make a handheld gaming console because our portable gaming console is called a laptop. We <laughs> we essentially already make a portable gaming console. Alienware called, makes them. <laughs> yeah, it's called a laptop. So 
I, I don't expect Microsoft to ever make a foray into this arena, and if they do, I expect it to be a laughable failure. Um, Sony, like the Vita. <laughs> well, yes. So Sony has the Vita, which the hardware is actually pretty spectacular, but there's no games, and a game console without a lot of good games is not so great. So the there I mostly play PS1 games on my Vita. Yeah, it, <laughs> which you could do on the PSP. Right. I I honestly the Vita is kind of a weird beast because the hardware is pretty fantastic. It works well. I don't know why the software is just not present, but it's whatever like a portable the PS3. Like oh, it's, it's yeah. Other than being way low resolution, it's basically PS3 power and there's yeah. such a dramatic lack of good software it's, yeah, it's depressing it's, it's strange um i'm kind of glad that it wasn't a huge success because i don't want to buy one um <laughs> but nintendo that has ever since the gamecube-ish era not really been competing on top of the line graphics but instead on novelty and experiments and story and gameplay and stuff like that's where all their focus goes you don't need you know a super powerful alienware pc to do that so they are uniquely positioned to say our home console is also our portable console because if Sony tried to pull that crap and they were like, oh, no, the home console, you know, the PS4 is just a PS3 that's also portable. Everyone would be like, no, nope, <laughs> nope. Come back with more more polygons yeah. in your graphics processors. Yeah. I saw some snarky people on Reddit saying like, oh, Nintendo made an NVIDIA Shield and then they'll publish games <laughs> for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, but it's a little Nvidia more Shield slick looking than that. cool hardware and if it had Mario on it, it probably would have sold really well. <laughs> um, there's still some open questions about, you know, their, their little experience video didn't, you know, Nintendo's kind of like Apple. They don't really talk about specs and they don't want you to think <laughs> about specs. Um, where they differ is Apple still, at least on half their hardware specs, tend to be very top of the line, and then they skimp on certain things, and you're like, come on, man. Um, but Nintendo was almost firmly probably going to be like, this is not going to be top of the line, $1,000 to manufacture hardware that they sell at a huge loss. They're going to sell this for a profit right off the bat, or break even at the worst. And... So the question sort of remains like, you know, what's the resolution? What's the battery life? Because Nintendo has a mixed record on battery life. That, the, that to me is, is actually the single biggest question. Like, can I yeah. walk away from my house for a day with this? Or is this like an hour of playtime I get while I head to the next would, Nintendo Switch base station? <laughs> I wouldn't hold your breath for a day. Um, and will it be USB-C? Um, no, it'll be some proprietary Nintendo crap. <laughs> the DS Lite had great battery life. The 3DS had okay battery life. And the Wii U tablet has terrible battery life. So, but I, the Wii U Pro controller, which doesn't have a screen, admittedly, I can't even remember the last time I charged it. And not that I play my Wii U that often, but well, it's the, like the Wii U tablet. Would you describe that controller as heavy? It's like a pound, so it's it's a little. If you're like falling asleep playing an RPG, it's too heavy. Well, I'm wondering if I'm Nintendo and I'm designing this controller. It's never expected to be outside of my living room, so I can give it a smaller battery and even a lower quality battery because I'm never going to be far from power. 
the Switch is going to need the largest, best battery that they can possibly <laughs> justify shoving in there if they're going to say, well, it's also a portable device. Yeah. Well, then it's like, you know, is it a different resolution when you hook it up to your TV? Because the Wii U is 1080p, and I can't imagine, maybe they will, but will will the Wii, the, the Wii, God, the Nintendo <laughs> Switch be lower res? Because the rumor is the tablet is 720p. And which would help them drive better visuals at a lower resolution. But when you hook it up to your TV, is it higher res? And can the hardware handle it? Is it like the Surface Book where it has an extra GPU in the the dock? I doubt it. I really don't think they're going to add smart guts to the dock. I think it's just a glorified video port. Video out. So I could imagine, and someone who knows more about, you know, gaming and graphics hardware, please tell me all the things I'm about to say wrong. But uh, I can imagine them saying, okay, so games are 720, like that, that's like your, your target at you know 60 frames per second, but we're going to display them at 1080, 30 frames per second when it's in the dock, right? So you're, you're basically saying the dock has just enough additional guts to drive a few more pixels on a larger display but that way you get like a consistent performance curve because you're seeing like basically the same quality, but from further away when you're on the lean back experience on a couch and then a lower quality, but you're up closer. So it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it, on a smaller screen, like I, I think I may have just said that backwards, but I think you could get like a consistent performance curve out of that. If there was just a tiny bit of additional guts in the dock, but not enough to say well, then, oh, when it's in the dock, it obviously plays better. And then what kind of, you know, is it a custom, you know, connection that has the throughput to, because like there's long been a dream of having like a, a Thunderbolt graphics card that like drives better <laughs> graphics for, you know, your MacBook that Apple decides not to ship with a real graphics card. Yeah. And so far the problem is the actual speed and throughput you need to do what graphics cards do is way more than what a, any of the IO ports we have can really handle. Yeah, uh, if you're just you sending an right. image you're fine, but if you're if you're sending instructions, processing it and then sending video the other way. Yeah, you no, you're probably right cuz it's <laughs> you're you're not just outsourcing, hey, display this image on the screen, you're outsourcing Hey, uh, help me decide what this image should look like <laughs> yeah. when it goes on the screen. So it, it's a different processing problem. I mean, I'm I I recognize the difference between 4K at 120 frames per second and 720 at 30 frames per second, but <laughs> I don't think I have ever snubbed a game because of that. Like if if I'm playing well, Mario Kart's a fantastic example. Like one time we all got together at your apartment and we played Mario Kart for a bunch of hours and it was awesome. And when you have like more than two people playing, the quality of the the graphics noticeably declines. Like Yeah. It, and it's the frame even, rate is in half. Yeah, it's not even like, you know, oh, it's a little bit worse. Like, no, it's noticeably, noticeably <laughs> worse. And I remember we all made fun of it for like two seconds and then played Mario Kart happily for like five hours. <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard to imagine we would have had a better time if the frame rate had stayed up at 60. Yeah. Well, and aside from the dark ages of the N64, Nintendo really tunes their games really well, and pretty much everything they make plays reliably and very smoothly. 
And it's usually other companies that either push the graphics too hard and then, the you know, you get Turok 2 frame rate where, like, it's the <laughs> laggy mess. Um, a little blast from the 90s for you. <laughs> a little, little Turok reference for everybody. <laughs> um, do you think you would get this? I need to know... Uh, what it's actually like to use that controller because portable watching, Skyrim, portable wa- Skyrim. Yeah, but watching the 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 eagle claws latched awkwardly <laughs> onto those little controllers. So I need to know what that experience is like, and more than anything, I need to know what the battery is like because yeah. with my weird schedule, it would be tremendously satisfying to be like, oh, not like, oh, mom, five more minutes while I finish this Zelda dungeon. But to just be like, oh, you're going to drive and I'm going to sit in the passenger seat and finish the Zelda now, dungeon. Do you think we're also going to reach like, yeah, we want all the companies to make better batteries. You know, our phone batteries are never going to be big enough or last long enough and, and so on and so forth. Are we going to reach a turning point where it's like everyone carries you? You certainly have a brick you carry when you travel to recharge things. I do, but <laughs> that's like an emergency thing. But because are we going to reach a turning point where it's it, this is just a part of life? I have so many devices. I want to be topped up all the time or have emergency power. Um, could I mean, that offset yeah. a mediocre battery? Well, and I'm also wondering, so I want to see if I can find it in this video somewhere. So there, there's a spot in the video where um, a guy like leaves his house and he gets into the back of his van with his friend. Oh, wait, here it is. Okay, so jump to uh, a minute and 28 seconds in that video. It's right after the guy playing Skyrim. So the these three dude bros get into the back of a van, like an old crappy like VW van or something, and they slide the uh, the screen into this little holder, and then they each have one of the controllers, and they're playing Mario Kart on their way to go literally like go-karting and then they're getting car sick and vomiting on each other. So, but my question is, is Nintendo or some third party going to sell a car mount that plugs like into the cigarette lighter? So it's like, Oh, you want to play in the car, leave this little thing attached to the back of the driver's seat. And then you sit in the back. And when you slide it in, it'll be powered. So I'm wondering instead of people carrying little bricks everywhere, are we going to, is it going to be like the, the level of, of like a, an action adventure game where like you have to hide behind the little thing while the wind blows. So you don't get swept off <laughs> or you have to like yeah, hide, you know, like in metal gear solid while like the, the searchlight passes so that you don't get spotted. So it's like, I'm not going to carry power everywhere I go, but I'm going to become a freaking encyclopedia of places I can plug in <laughs> between here and my destination. Yeah. Well, I, I bring that up because I on some podcasts I listen to, they've started advertising this one suitcase company where you, the suitcase has a USB port. The, and, the away suitcase. Yep, yep. You've heard, you, you know about it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's just like batteries are in like, you know, how many airlines don't have powered seats either on some of their flights, let alone at the gate where you're waiting for your flight. And it just seems like People have batteries on everything now, and I, I feel like the you're not going to w- play this while you're walking, I hope not. <laughs> maybe if it was like a, a Pokemon Go type game, <laughs> maybe. Some, some cash. 
But you're going to sit down or you're going to stand still while you're playing this. And like, it's more like a console I can take with me, not a thing I'm going to play all the time while moving. Yeah, I agree. It's it's more like, oh, I'm I'm playing Mario Kart and my neighbor who, you know, he's sick in bed. So I want to go over there and play Mario Kart with him, but he doesn't have a switch. So I'm going to just carry it right over there. And I'm going to yeah. run it off battery power instead of unplugging the little, you know, thing that hooks it up to the TV, the little dock. And I'll just go over there and we'll eagle claw the controller halves and we'll play Mario <laughs> Kart for a while. Like that seems like a very believable experience. But some of these other little things, like even in the when they're in the airport, like the guy sits down next to the girl and it's like, oh, why are you both awkwardly leaning against that support pole in the airport? Because that's where the plug is. Yeah. Because one of you is charging your iPhone while you're playing your portable <laughs> console next to it. Um, one other thing we both noticed about this video is there's no the the screen is not shown to be touch sensitive. Even though the rumor is it will be touch capable, they not, made a not point a single interaction. Yeah, made it a point to not show any touch based games. And is you know, I, I didn't see any official word, but is Nintendo positioning this as don't shovel your crappy smartphone games on this? That's what your phone is for. We want, we want to put real games on this. And will that work? Well, I mean, the 3DS is cool, but honestly, most of the games, I've, I mean, you've played a lot more games on 3DS than I have, but most of the games I've played on the 3DS utilize the touchscreen in such trivial ways that to remove it would not really be a big deal. Yeah. And then, I, and when I never they make a, me use the stylus, I'm actually kind of upset most of the time. Yes, exactly. You're like, oh, now I got to pop the stylus out. Oh crap, it's not in, in there. Fact, Where is the stylus? Maybe the worst official Nintendo Zelda game. We're leaving CDI out of this. Uh, <laughs> the most annoying to me is Phantom Hourglass because they were so committed to the stylus that to move Link and to swing the sword, you have to use the touchscreen. What? So you like adventure game, hold the, you know, tap and hold to make him run a certain direction on the screen. And then you have to swipe at the screen. It's worse than shaking Wiimote waggle. It's so much worse. That sentence made me tired. <laughs> I, just, um, I, just, I just feel noticeably worse now that I know that that's how that game is played. Now, what... So let's say the battery life is, you know, it's above whatever threshold where you're like, okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> what's what's the no-brainer price point and performance level for you? Like, if, if it's $199 and it's Wii U level graphics, like, does Full HD, you know, kind of like a little better than PS3 and oh, is I'd, portable? I'd throw $199 at this, no question. Yeah, no. I, I'd, I doubt I'd, it'll be that cheap at first, but... No, absolutely not. But I mean, one I'm two ninety nine. I would two ninety. So okay, at one ninety nine, I would say like yes, this is borderline impulse purchase price because I know you know Susan and I both love Mario Kart and Mario enough that we would eventually get our money's worth. I mean, like I do have two small children. We both have full time jobs. It's not like we would get our money's worth that weekend. But you know, eventually we would play Mario and Mario Kart enough that it'd be like okay. At two ninety nine, I would be like, "Well, how good does the new Zelda look?" And anything above two ninety nine, it looks really good. It does look really good. <laughs> but anything above two ninety nine, I'd be like, you know, Metroid or GTFO, like, don't. or wait a year and get it for a hundred bucks off. 
Well, exactly. So the question is, is am I going to buy it at launch, you know, for a price? And I mean, first off, I'm almost definitely not going to buy it at launch because uh, my friend and co-host on Flipping Tables, Mike Edwards, he <laughs> is basically a slave to Nintendo. And despite the fact that you've moved to Ohio and I can't just drive to your house and try it, I can at least get your feedback about it because you tend to so obnoxiously overanalyze these things as to make me think of things <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of on my own, which saves me the trouble of spending the money. Um, it, I, I'll say I will almost certainly want to get it at launch as long as Zelda isn't delayed even later. Um, if Zelda is a launch title, which I have every indication that that's basically what Nintendo's doing. Um, well, particularly because they're launching it in March. Which is yeah. like a weird time, isn't it? Oh, a lot of their consoles have come out in the spring. Have they? Because all the early adopters will buy it, and then by the time you get to Christmas, you can uh, do then a you price do the, drop the $50 or $50 off. Yeah, yep, yep. So if if this was two ninety nine at launch, but they said all of your Wii U software will work on it, you just enter you know this proof that you bought it. <laughs> like would that would that make you lean one way or the other? Um. I, I'm definitely not doing another round of repurchasing any of that <laughs> crap. Um, Nintendo, get your house in order. Have a you have Nintendo accounts. Start using them as accounts and not just as per system licenses. Um, that'll be interesting to see if they if they show any indication that they're any smarter about services and the web. Um, we're the jury's still like. They get they don't get the benefit of the doubt on this. Like I'm assuming they're gonna have some really obnoxious friend code crap um, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. I'm hopeful, but I'm not expecting. I'm not holding my breath. Um I don't think it'll be a deal breaker, but man, they get they gotta they gotta join the twenty twentieth century at some point on the internet. Yeah, I'm not thinking a deal breaker is so much as a deal maker. Because for someone yeah. who's been loyal to Nintendo the way you have and the way a lot of their customers have been, if they say, hey, you know, it's three ninety nine at launch, we've got brand new battery technology in there, it's something really amazing, you know, the, the docking really is as smooth as we made it look, you know, on the, uh, on the little preview thing, but also any... Wii, Wii U, or Virtual Console game, or 3DS game, like, if, if they just totally blew the doors off, and they were like, none of your back catalog is lost where we could, you know, allow you to carry it over, like, that, for me, that wouldn't really matter, because I don't really have a back catalog to speak of, Yeah, but for you, that's like saying, like, hey, we are acknowledging your loyalty, and we're gonna, you know, make it worth your while to upgrade. Yeah, I, I'd love that, I mean... There's a bunch of games that are in my Wii mode view that they never even bothered porting to Wii U. And I don't know if it's like behind the scenes licensing, like Final Fantasy VI or three, I guess. Um, <laughs> I have that on the Wii, but I'd never play it because, number one, I just play it on my iMac with a USB controller. <laughs> but it would be nice to have it on, you know, perfectly supported and emulated on a real controller that has Nintendo's quality. Um, Especially on this device, I would love to take all the Super NES RPGs with me that way and not deal with input lag or weird emulation quirks. Or um, Helvetica on iOS. Oh, I, that, that's dumpster <laughs> fire. Can't, can't do it. <laughs> so one other thing about the, the touchscreen, um, 
so if if this doesn't have touch controls and it's just straight up controller buttons like we've had for 20 years um i'm actually totally okay with that because and i'm i'm not the first person to think of this this is actually uh i'm i'm expanding on an ars technica article which is linked in the show notes which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 142 but <laughs> the idea that nintendo is kind of stepping back and saying okay we did touch we did 3d we've done some wacky input uh experimentation what if we innovate less on the controls and more on other parts of the hardware that have traditionally not been innovated on? And let's just let, you know, the Googles and the Apples worry about touchscreens. And when we want to make a touchscreen game, we'll just put it over there. Yeah. Like, that doesn't... And we'll use the, the freemium type games to drive interest in our own platform. Yes. Super Mario Run is to say, hey, remember Mario? He still exists. By the way... The new big game is over here. Yeah, this seems not only like a a good thing for Nintendo because Nintendo likes to innovate and try new things, and and the Switch definitely is innovative hardware. You know, it's left. It remains to be seen how well it works, but the idea is very kind of new and novel and interesting. But from a business standpoint, you know, kind of diversifying your revenue streams and outsourcing what you're not good at and keeping in-house like what yeah. your unique business proposition is. Pick like your this, battles. Yeah, th- this seems all around like a phenomenally good plan. I mean, they still have to execute on it, but the the idea of touchscreen games go on touchscreen devices that other people make and our first-party like games that people buy Nintendo hardware for will go on this cool new hardware because if you don't ever leave your house and you don't care about all the cool things that Nintendo Switch does, but you just really want to play, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild, you leave the thing in the dock, you have a Bluetooth Pro controller paired to it, and your experience is still completely solid. You're not yeah. missing anything by not using the stupid little Eagle Claw half controllers. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's I'm I'm more impressed by this this whole plan, the hardware, the plan, the the way they seem to be positioning themselves than I have been by Nintendo in many years, many, many years. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Wii was a huge, interesting novelty when it came out, and we're all kind of like, whoa, this is like some next level <laughs> stuff. And then you realize that the accelerometers were not gyroscoped, and so it was kind of like half-baked on that front. But, you know, it was it was wonderful in 2005 as a naive gamer to be like, whoa. And then <laughs> we, now we're, we're all... so young. <laughs> but the Wii U never had any of that excitement. Like, it <laughs> no. was just like, you want me to, like, hold this weird plastic thing and pretend I'm throwing ninja stars off of it? This is... No. Come on, Nintendo. Do better. And this is, like you're saying, the innovation is not in the gimmicks. It's in the smooth over every possible paper cut of gaming so that you have this sleek thing that you can play anywhere and then you come home to your comfy couch and you're you can keep playing and that's that's cool so i was just curious the wii has sold 10 times as many units as the wii u like 130 million <laughs> it's like a, yeah it's like a, the range is in there but it, it's like 110 versus 13 <laughs> that's insane it's the <laughs> outlier to every piece of hardware they've had since the n64 which is you know the game like they've been profitable 
I don't know if they've been profitable to Wii U, but the 3DS is holding them up. But every other console, they've managed to eke out a profit, but clearly it they've been in decline. Yeah. The uh, the DS and the 3DS, I think, are still their all-time standouts. So them placing this emphasis on handheld goodness stands to reason, right? Because they're... Yeah. I don't think they want to say we're not going to make hardware anymore. We're just going to make stuff for smartphones. That's a little too insane. But to say, hey, we know that portability is something people kind of associate with Nintendo games now because of how successful the the original Game Boy was and ever since then. So that this is God, I want it to work so bad. Like the the crazy hardware, the battery life, the how is the screen resolution going to work? Is that controller actually comfortable to hold? Like there's a lot of yeah. user experience questions that have not been answered yet, but the idea is rock solid. And if it does work, you know, part of me is like why is Apple so blind to gaming? Like yeah, iOS ended up being a casual gaming powerhouse almost in spite of Apple's blindness, <laughs> blindness to it. And yeah, they started giving keynote space to new games. But, you know, you've seen those like ugly clip-on controllers that basically do what the yeah. Switch is doing in the ugliest way possible. <laughs> and, you know, it like turns your iPhone 6 into like this like 15-inch wide controller. Um, there's, there's ones that hook up to even like the 10-inch iPad and like that thing Ugh. just looks insane. Like, I, I don't know if it's MoGA or, or one of those companies that makes it but it's like that never took off even though you know apple seemed to do the littlest possible of like here's some apis i guess some controller stuff can be there um but that's not gonna grow it the way that nintendo has a chance to yeah i don't is there some quote or something where steve jobs was like video games are for losers i mean like they, the entire company just seems to kind of generally not... I know they tried, like they had their piece of garbage home console for a while, but even going back to just the old Macs, like they just never made an effort around It was gaming. always a indie developer thing. Like passionate developers would still make games for the Mac, but it was never like the company's focus ever. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if like secretly Steve Jobs, or publicly, and I just don't know about it, but maybe Steve Jobs was just like, yeah, I don't really care about this, and I don't want to bother with it, so don't let's not care about this. I mean, the, there's the the joke of like, oh, you want to run games on a Mac? Well, you might as well boot into an entirely different operating system so that you're not paying the overhead tax. Like Macs have, and iPhones especially, have like, reasonable to you know on the iphone where it's top of the line graphics performance and it's all to draw stupid little genie animations when an app opens and closes like there's you know everything is buttery smooth and amazing but not for gaming for whatever reason it's weird because apple was early on and not only the gui but just pushing the quality of visuals ahead like yeah, and it's all you for know, app opening and closing animations. Yeah, or even just typography and and lots of like artsy things. Um, not, I'm not promoting that myth that like Macs are for artists and PCs aren't, but more <laughs> just like they, they were early in caring about some of the building blocks that make games work, and yet it still remained a blind. So I didn't mean to turn this into an Apple thing. Um, no, that, we can, we can get back to Nintendo. Although Nintendo and Apple do seem like they have a nice little bromance going forward. 
Well, yeah, there was some tweets recently where Tim Cook was visiting Nintendo, and it's probably just more Mario Run promotion, but... Yeah, but seeing all those people who make all that delicious hardware and software in one room, you are kind of like, ooh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know that that was a staged photograph. I don't care. I'm excited that it happened at all. Uh, all right. Well, anything else about the Switch? Uh, I want to play yours after it comes out so I can see if it's worth <laughs> spending my own money on. <laughs> so make right. a, here's, what, here's how we'll test the battery. Come visit Denver but don't bring any way to power it. <laughs> Just pull it off the dock and see how close you can get to my house before the thing dies. And can you get past the first obnoxious hour of Zelda where they're holding your hand too much? Ugh. Yes. <laughs> on I'll, that one I'll battery charge. I'll suffer through it. <laughs> um, so as always, you can find the show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash flipping cable slash 142. Mike and I both love feedback. If you want to reach out to us, the easiest way is on Twitter. You can find me at Lions in Beta and Mike. You are pseudo Michael S U D O Michael. I just noticed uh, the last time we copy pasted this show doc was when uh, Justin was guest hosting. So his information is still. It's a good thing I know my own Twitter handle because I, I would not have been able to read that out of the show doc. And I'm um, Justin. <laughs> wait. Um, the uh, the Reddit community is still going strong. Uh, we've been having some cool conversations in there, especially around uh, whenever we talk about alternatives to stuff or people's experiences. It's always awesome to get more of a back and forth conversation and less of just like a tweet that's like, I use blah, and then that conversation falls flat. So uh, if you want to follow up on what your hopes for the, the Nintendo NX slash Switch are um, or, or you know any of the other topics we've shared, definitely go check out the Reddit community, reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables uh if you want to support the show a little bit one of the easiest ways is to just subscribe it means you get new episodes delivered into your inbox of choice every week uh, i'm still using pocket cast so you're still on the old version the old ad list version of overcast yeah how long until you're forced to update and then you go look for another podcast player uh, i i like it enough i'll probably patron him pa pa oh can you patron the ads away yeah Oh, that's fair. That that checks out. So th there's a million free and paid options, and they're all delightful. You just tap that little subscribe button on our website or search for it in their list of podcasts and get Flipping Tables delivered fresh every Tuesday. Uh, if you want to support us a little bit more directly, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And if you pledge dollars, you can get your name listed up on the website, or if you pledge enough dollars, you can get your name shouted out at the end of episodes. So with that, I need to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Cunningham Switch, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much, we could not fund our Nintendo habit without you. We'll see you next week. See you next week.